Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. I want to preach a message uh, today that I'm calling from, from post to pillar, from post to pillar. And it's out of Revelation chapter three, verse seven. Uh, but before I read Revelation three, verse seven, I do want to read Matthew chapter 16, verses 13. And uh, it reads like this. It's a story about Jesus and his disciples and an important interaction that they have. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then in Revelation chapter 3, we're going to be in verse 7, and Revelation was really a letter to the seven churches in the greater Asia Minor area. And uh, Jesus... Uh, was speaking to each church individually because all of them uh, had some specific instructions that Jesus was trying to get them. And, and in Revelation chapter three, verse seven, we're gonna focus on the church of Philadelphia. It says this, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength and yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews, but indeed are not, to come and bow down at your feet and they will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from God. And I will also write on them my new name from post to pillar. Come on, let's pray together today over the preaching of God's word. God, I pray right now, God, that you would begin to open up our minds, that you would open up our hearts, God, that, that uh, all of our ways would be submitted to you, Lord. Help us to be steadfast and pass the test that you put before us. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. Um, I, I, I really, I really wish, uh, thank you so much, boy, you sound great. Um, uh, I, I, I really do wish uh, that we could all uh, go out and maybe even have some time one-on-one -on -one where, where I could talk to each of you one-on-one -on -one because I'm just fascinated. Anybody else like me, you just love people. You're just fascinated by people. Let me see your hand. Like, right? yeah. I, I just, I'm fascinated by people. I'm, I, I, people that think differently than me. People that, that, I'm just fascinated by all types of people. I'm interested in what they're interested 
interested in. And so, so I like to, to ask uh, questions that help give insight into maybe who they are. And, uh, and if you and I were to sit down you know, at a coffee shop and if I were to ask you, uh, or if we were to sit down and have a conversation, I would start out by asking you this all-encompassing question just so we could like get the party started, just so we could really kind of you know, see where we want to go in the conversation. And the, and the question would be this, what do you want out of life? What do you want out of life? And what's fascinating to me is that it doesn't matter how many years uh, that we live for, right? You know, obviously everybody in here has been living for some years and it still always fascinates me how difficult a question like that could be to answer. In fact, you might even think that I might have some ulterior motives. So you might even go, okay, what does he want me to say? Uh, what's the correct answer? Uh, what's he looking for here? Should I tell him what I want or what I think I should want? Uh, I, I, I'm, what's the angle here? It, it, it's kind of like uh, uh, when we go to a place, you ever go to a place maybe out to like Starbucks or another place where somebody has no right to look at the menu. They have no business looking at the menu, but they look at the menu before they order. Like just the other day, I, I was out to coffee with somebody and, and I know this person, they have been to Starbucks probably at least hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. And, and you ever with them and, and you're at a place like Starbucks and they're like, <laughs> and I look at them and I'm like, are you looking at the menu? At Starbucks, like, like all of the sudden, like, like, like you haven't been ordering the same drink for 14 years. Like, like, you know, you don't have a hot drink and a cold drink based on the day. Like, like you're gonna like switch it up. You know, you ever have that? Like, I'm gonna switch it up. No, I'm not. I'm gonna go back to the same drink that I've been. But it's fascinating to me where somebody's like looking at a menu, or it's like looking at a menu at McDonald's. Like they ain't changed that thing in a minute, guys. And it's fascinating me when somebody will, will look at a menu that they know has been the same. I, I think that's a lot of times what it's like when we're pondering this question, what do I want? Because come on, again, we've been living for a while and it's, and it's wild that we still don't know. We're still not fully sure. And the problem is, is because we don't know and fully understand that our desire becomes our direction. So the first thing that we have to get in place to know what we want is our desire, right? We gotta figure out what do we actually desire? Not, do we just, not what do we just desire in this moment, what do we actually desire? See, I, I know that desire dictates direction because I have children. <laughs> and I, uh, uh, about a month ago, our, our kids went through this phase, they're three, and uh, about a year ago, you know, we put them in big kid beds. Right, so they got big kid beds. So now they went from the crib to big kid beds. And, and it kind of tripped me out the first time because the first time we put them in a big kid bed and we just put them in the bed and we're like, we love you and we prayed for them and, and we leave. It's not like a crib. What was awesome about a crib is they were like in prison. Like they couldn't get out. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and even when they could eventually crawl out, we like, oh, okay. We took out the bolts, put that thing on the ground. Now try to get out justice, right? And so, so the big kid bed was weird because we'd put them in there and we just kind of backed away slowly. Okay, me and Christina are talking. We're like, this is crazy. Like, are they just going to stay in? Like, this is what? Like, they could just get out anytime they want. And for about six, seven months, they didn't get out. They, they would just stay in there and sleep. It, it kind of blew my mind. Until about a month ago, I felt like it was a coordinated effort too. 
because it happened both of them at the same time, but they would stagger the times. So like one would come down to our room at like midnight and then we'd finally, we'd, we'd bring him up, put him in bed. And then about 45 minutes later, the other one would come down and they, they rotated. This was a concerted effort, guys. This was coordinated. Like, here's what we're going to do. And so for like two weeks, it's like we were trying everything. Like we could not get them to like stay in bed. I mean, we're trying everything until we discovered the, the, the power of an Oreo cookie. There's authority in an Oreo cookie. And I remember we finally had to get to a place. I don't know why it was, but we said, hey, because they love Oreo cookies. And we said, hey, um, you can have an Oreo cookie in the morning. I let them smell it. (laughs) You can have this in the morning if you don't come down. And it was amazing because like that was the trick. Like they've been doing great for the last month, but we had to figure what do they really want? out of this thing. And once we figured what their desire was, we got the result that we wanted. You gotta figure out what your desire is. See, the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Philadelphia was in an interesting spot because they coupled both opportunity and inconsistency. What was interesting about Philadelphia is they had incredible opportunity as a church. The reason why they had opportunity as a church is because they had opportunity as a city. You see, uh, Philadelphia uh, was literally positioned as the corridor that connected Europe and Asia. And so everybody that was traveling from these two places had to go through Philadelphia. And so the Greeks thought to themselves, rightly so, oh, this is going to be a key corridor to us propagating the Greek way of life because this allows us to kind of, you know, have an impact in both Asia and Europe. And so the church, rightly so, went, oh, this is going to be a key corridor to propagate the gospel and to advance the gospel because the fact that people had to pass through this place. So they had incredible opportunity. Every single person in this room, everybody watching online has incredible opportunity. The problem is we're us. The problem is there's an inconsistency. You see, Philadelphia also had this inconsistent problem. The reason why they had an inconsistency problem is because the city was right on a fault line, meaning that they would have tremors and earthquakes all the time. In fact, the people were so accustomed to having to leave the the city in a hurried manner that the way that they kind of laid their stuff out was such that they could grab it, throw it around their back and exit the city whenever a tremor would start to take place. Because what they would have to do is then they would have to leave the city for like a week or so after the trimmer while they kind of help, you know, remove the rubble and the stone that had fallen and set it back up to where then they could move in. And so although they had incredible opportunity because of where they were located, they had the inconsistency because of what was going on with things that they could not control. Now their issue was outside of their control. Oftentimes our issues are inside of our control. See, see we, don't have to, we don't have to leave the city. We don't have to leave somewhere, uh, you know, and, and, and miss our opportunities to make a difference in people's lives. It's just, are, are, are we consistent enough? It's not, are you going to have an opportunity? You will have an opportunity. The question is, are you consistent enough to make a difference in the lives of your coworkers and your friends and your relatives? Have you and I developed this deep-rooted consistency? 
See, my prayer for Journey Church is this, is that you would have a desire to be a pillar in the house of God. That you would have a desire to be a pillar in the house of God. In fact, my point, my only point is this, is that posts are decorative while pillars are integral to the integrity of the building. Pillars are, uh, posts are decorative. You can have a hollow post. You, You can go, you know what? It would just be nice if we had a post there. It would just look good. It would kind of break up the open space. Posts are decorative, but pillars are necessary. You have to have pillars. And and, and can I tell you this? You know what I'm no longer in? I was never really that interested, but but especially post-COVID. In fact, I I would even say this. I, I think COVID gave us a gift only in this regard been a lot of negative things. I think COVID gave us a gift in this regard is that it kind of pushed out decorative Christianity. It it, it, it kind of went, okay, uh, now it's going to cost me something to go to church. Now it's going to cost me something to be a part of community. Now it's going to, and so decorative Christianity, I'm not interested in decorative Christianity. How about you? I'm not interested in Christianity on the outside, but when actually all hell breaks out in my loose, uh, in in my life, and and it breaks out in my life, that I'm actually not steadfast enough to stand my ground. I'm not interested in a Christianity that was awesome for this season of my life when I felt like I needed it. No, no, that is post-Christianity. And what God is saying is, hey, I'm calling you to be pillars in my house. And there's some attributes about pillars Uh, One of those attributes is that pillars are placed. Pillars are placed strategically. They're not random. In in fact, you know, aren't you glad that that I'm not the one that designed this building, right? Because I don't know what I'm doing. But in a building like this, there had to be key spots that an engineer, an architect, would have said, okay, uh, we're gonna have to put a pillar here, here and a pillar there. If it would have been up to me, I'd have been like, I don't know. But all the pillars in this building that are literally lifting up this building, they have been strategically placed by somebody that knows what they're doing. And what you have to trust, if you've been placed in that family, if you've been placed in that workplace, if you've been placed in that school, if you've been placed in the season of life that you're in, maybe just maybe God knows what he's doing and he has strategically put you in that place so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. See, pillars are placed. Here's another big, big one. Pillars pass tests. Pillars pass tests. I want, I want to ask a question. Um, that undoubtedly probably only like three or four people will raise their hand to because there's always three or four strange people in a room this size. My wife would raise her hand if she was here with me with a question that I'm getting ready to ask. But how many of you in here, you like taking tests? You like it. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Yep, yep. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. I want to know who the strange people are. Okay, cool. Right on. There's always like four or five people in a room this size. My wife loves it. She loves to be evaluated. She loves her annual evaluation. Like what kind of psycho <laughs> loves stuff like that? She loves taking tests. She, 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 she just loves it. Now the reality is, right, the rest of us, 99% of us in this room are like, no, I don't like taking tests. In fact, I, I, I might even go get a graduate degree if I didn't have to take tests, right? Uh, we, we don't like it. But now l- let me ask the question in this way. How many of you like using things that have been tested? 
Like, aren't you glad your toothpaste has been tested? <laughs> aren't you glad that your vehicle has been tested? In fact, before you bought your vehicle, uh, uh, what they did is they ran it through some crash, uh, crash tests and, and, and they put some dummies in there, right? Some unliving people to see what it did if it got hit in certain ways so that if that were to happen in real life, you would be protected and you would be okay if you experienced the same sort of kind of blunt force from that direction. It's fascinating to me that we all hate tests but we love using things that have been tested. Can I just tell you, God is the same way. God loves using people that have been tested. That is who God uses. People that have been through the fire, people that have been through something and come out on the other side. You cannot be a pillar in the house of God if you have not been through tests. So if you're going through a test right now, can I just encourage you? Be encouraged and know that God is building something in you so that you can be strong after it. Pillars pass tests. The other thing about pillars is pillars don't play games. Pillars don't play games. A pillar's never like, I'd really like to be a lighting fixture. <laughs> a pillar's like, I don't very much feel like a pillar today. I just want to lay down right here and just trust the pillars that are next to me. Pillars don't play games. Pillars know that there's too much at stake. Uh, pillars know that <laughs> there are people that are really hurting that God has placed you strategically next to. Uh, pillars understand that maybe just maybe you're going to have the words tomorrow at work or you're going to have the words tomorrow at school that literally might save somebody's life. Uh, uh, pillars know and understand that, no, no, I, I'm led by the spirit and that God wants to use me in every environment and in every circumstance. And so God, give me eyes to see the pain and the hurt that is going on next to me. See, see we're too occupied being posts and people don't need posts people need pillars people need steadfast people that are there for them that can encourage them and that can build them up see in revelation chapter 3 verse 7 jesus says i want you to write this letter to the angel of the church in philadelphia this is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. And I love this. It says, what he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. So what he's saying is, hey, uh, uh, I'm the kind of God that opens and closes doors. I'm the kind of God that opens and closes doors. Meaning there's a method to the madness. There's a method to the madness. In fact, uh, my wife and I on, on our house, uh, we have one of those codes that you can, that you can put in like a, like a you know, six-digit code and, and it'll unlock the door, it'll lock the door and uh, things of that nature. Now, what's, what's really fascinating about it, what's, what's really cool about it is that um, we can give out different codes, but when we give out those codes, we can set parameters around them. Right? And, and so we can say, hey, uh, uh, this uh, door, this code only works during the week, Monday through Friday. 
Or we can even, we can even say, in fact, the other day we were having some air conditioning issues. And so uh, we had to have the air conditioned person come to our house and neither one of us could be home. So we could actually set a one-time usage code for that person that could use it once, do his work, and then, and then lock the door, on, hit the lock button on his way out. And then, and then that code was null and void after that. We have some friends coming in town tomorrow from the West Coast and we're gonna give them a code that will last the duration of their stay. Now, think about this for a second. Think about after this service, if I was standing up here and, and one of you came up to me whom I've never met before and you were like, hey, um, can I have like an all access code to your house? I'd be like, okay, first of all, I'm telling JJ on you. <laughs> see, see, Christina and I have, have a code that has no limitations on it. Right, Christina and I, we have a code that will work anytime, any amount of times. We could, we could use it as many times as we want to throughout the day, like any day for as long as we want. Why? Because we have unfettered access to our house. And the reason why it wouldn't work for you to come up to me is because the codes are determined around the relationship that has been built. And what you have to understand and what I have to understand is although we do not earn God's love, we do earn his trust. And, and, and the foundation of Christianity is, in, in fact, oftentimes when I talk to people that are following Jesus, they actually have this theologically reversed where they are trying to earn God's love, but then they expect God to trust them. And they spend their whole life trying to earn God's love, and then they just expect God to do this and this and this and this and this through their life. No, no, it works just the opposite. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. There is plenty you can do to earn his trust. And you and I, listen, you cannot get the specific doors if you are not first walking through the general doors. The only way you get to the specific doors, like the specific things that God has for your life, if you're first walking through the general doors, the ones that are open to everybody. So here's some general doors. Number one, the door of Jesus himself. The door of Jesus himself. You first have to come face to face with, I am a sinner, I am imperfect, and I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, that I would have eternal life through him. Not just when I die and go to heaven someday, but a new kind of life right, right now. So the first door you have to walk through is the door of Jesus himself. The second door that is open to us at all times, I already kind of talked about it for a second, is the door of opportunity. The door of opportunity. Some of us in this room, we want the specific door, but we won't even ask the person in the office next to us who we just saw crying in the bathroom if there's anything we could pray for. You want specific doors and you're not even walking through general opportunity open doors. It doesn't work like that. You don't get to specific doors unless you walk through the general ones. Another general door is the door of acceptance. The door of acceptance. The door that says, hey, you are accepted. Not because you're amazing, but because God is amazing. And then the other last kind of general door that is open to all of us is the door of prayer. The door of prayer. See, we have access to his presence. And again, uh, oftentimes we're like, okay, God, give me the specific door. And God's like, cool, but like you don't ever talk to me. Like you want the specific stuff. You want me to like download something, but you don't ever spend time with me. So it doesn't really work like that. Like you got to walk through the general doors before you get the specific doors. 
And, and if you were to take inventory of your life and if you and I were to sit down and have a conversation, my hunch would be that the times that God has opened up the specific doors was after you had already walked through the general ones. In fact, in my own life, I remember, man, we moved like to random central Florida. We never lived in central Florida. We're from the Seattle area, but because God opened up an opportunity to go on staff at Southeastern University, I never thought I'd work at a university. I thought I'd be local church forever. And now I look back in hindsight, no, no, God used that normal open door of opportunity to speak a specific thing of where we would give our life to. You do not get to specific answers unless you're walking through the general doors that God has opened to us first. So he said, Hey, I'm the God who opens doors and I'm the God who closes doors. And then in verse eight, he says, I know all the things you do. And I've opened a door for you that no one can close. This is interesting. He says, you have little strength yet. You obeyed my word and you did not deny me. You have little strength. That's an odd phrase to put there when he talks about making them into pillars, That he's also describing them as people who have little strength. It, it, where are the married people at in the room? Let me see. Married people, married people, married people, married people. Okay, cool. Right. Uh, put your hand. Where are the single people at? Single people, single, single people. Look around, look around, look around, look around, look around. Okay, put your hand down. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe married people. You ever been married for a while? And then, and then you hear something, uh, it could be a skill set. It could be a part of like your spouse's story that you didn't know. And you're like, I did not know that. And you've been married for like five, six years. And you're like, wow, uh, uh, that's fascinating. Well, I had one of those moments. My wife and I had been married like five or six years. And I did not know that she uh, possessed um, uh, a particular skill set until we showed up to our house one time and the door was locked. <laughs> I did not know that my wife could break into homes. And, 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 and that she could like, you know, pick locks. I, I, this was something I was unaware. It didn't come up in our dating relationship. It didn't come, in, come up in our pre-marriage class we did with our pastor. It, it just, it, it never came up. But, but one time we showed up to our house and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and we show up and, and the door's locked and we didn't have our garage door opener. I'm like, oh man. So I immediately call a locksmith and I'm like, hey, uh, we need you to come out. And they're like, cool, it'll take about 20, 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And I'm like, ah. Oh man, okay. Um, so we're kind of waiting there for about 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, Christina was like, it's like it dawned on, it just hit her. She goes, oh, like, I think I could pick the lock. And I'm like, hold, hold up. We're, we're going to talk about this later. Um, but okay, give it a go. I thought, no way. Like, there's no way she's going to be able to do this. And, and so she goes up and she's like, give me like a card or something that, you know, we don't use anymore. And so I give her like this card that we don't use. And, and she goes up and she's up there for like four or five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I knew there was no way she could do it. And as soon as I got cocky, yeah, I knew there was no way she could do it. Boom, the door opens. And I was like, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> But the problem was, as soon as the door popped open, the locksmith truck comes around the corner. And I don't know if you ever had one of those awkward customer service um, uh, kind of moments. This was one of those moments. Because the locksmith guy comes around and, and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of waving him down. My wife is standing at the door that is now open. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> and 
The guy gets out and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, 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 you know, thanks so much for coming out. You know, we don't need you. Uh, my, my wife, um, we have a lot to talk about, um, but, but she can do this, I guess. And I just found that out. So I'm kind of weirded out, but like, but you know, but we're good. And he goes, okay, I still got to charge you $85 for like the service call. And um, um, I don't know if you ever had a season in life where $85 was a lot of money, but this was one of those seasons, right? And, and, and I was like, especially for no service. And I was like, $85 just to come, where'd you drive from? I was like, 85, I have to pay you $85 and I'm not even utilizing your, like $85, I'm like, bro, I'm, I, know, I, I know you gotta make a living, but like, eight, I'm like, can I just give you like 14 bucks for gas money? Like, like 85, and like, dude, I have to charge you. He goes, in addition to that, um, this is kind of weird, um, but I need you to show me ID or I have to call the police. And I'm like, wait, wait, wh why? He goes, because if I would have showed up and you guys wouldn't have been in the house, I would have need you to show me ID to, obviously show me this is your house. You can't just say, hey, locksmith, pick that lock. Like, <laughs> I, I, I need to make sure that it's your house, but now it's kind of strange because I'm not technically the one that got the door open for you, but you just told me that your wife just picked this lock and I don't even know that this is your guys' house. And, uh, and so I need you to show me ID or I need to call the police. And I'm like, whoa, like, oh, okay. And thank goodness I had my ID and I, and I show him. And, and it became this huge ordeal. And I gave this guy $85 showing him my ID. I'm, a, I'm like, wow, like this became this huge or, ordeal. And it taught me something that we all know in the practical, but we forget in the spiritual. And it's this, it is so much easier to get into an unlocked door than it is into a locked door. See, all of a sudden we were trying to get into a locked door and it created this huge ordeal. And it created this huge issue and, and things were happening. Can I, can I submit to you this, this morning that I think too many of you are spending so much of your time and energy trying to get in locked doors. And let me just prophetically say something to you. It's probably locked for a reason, bro. It's probably locked for a reason. It's probably, there's probably a reason why God has not opened up that door to you. There's probably a reason why you're trying so hard to make something happen. And God's like, hey, the door is locked. Get a hint, get a clue. Like I'm trying to help you understand there are open doors. The problem is sometimes the reason that the door is locked is why we want in it so bad. In fact, this, this was the original sin, was it not? Where, where, where God comes to Adam and Eve and says, you can eat from any tree in the garden, except for that one. Ah, locked door. Well, now that's the one I want in. Now, the, the very nature that it's locked becomes the fleshly desire to want in. I'm gonna take a little bit of liberty because I'm an overseer. <laughs> this is how pornography works among married people. I find it fascinating that there are married people that can righteously have sex anytime you want to. And yet you will still look at pornography, why? Because the fact that the door is locked and shut becomes the desirous thing about that. And what you are going to have to guard, this is for everybody, what you're gonna to have to guard your entire life is your flesh 
wanting to get into doors that are shut to you simply because they are shut to you. And it's not until you are mature and you develop and you become a pillar in the house of God where you say, I take my cues from open and shut doors. See, it doesn't matter if you're weak. It doesn't matter. In, in, in fact, I love what it says here in the scripture. He, he tells him, I'm going to make you a pillar. Oh, by the way, you're weak. The reason why your personal strength doesn't matter when it comes to being used by God, because if the door is open, it doesn't matter how strong you are. If the door is closed, it matters a great deal how strong you are. But if the door is open, then you and I just get to walk through open doors and you say, hey, it's not my strength. God is doing it. And I just get to walk through open doors. I love that that Jesus says, hey, you're weak, but I'm still going to make you a pillar. So you think you're failing the test because you're weak, but you're not. I think you might be failing the test because you're trying to get into doors that are closed. And so you're overly discouraged going, oh, I'm weak. uh, In your weakness, what? He's made strong. You're not failing the tests because you're weak. You're failing the tests because you're trying to get in rooms that God does not want you in. And the reason why he doesn't want you in them is because he is the grand architect and he knows where the pillars go and he knows how life is set up and he knows how this thing works. And so is anybody grateful for the grace of God that shuts the door in our face sometimes and says, nope, I'm not gonna let you walk in that yet. Nope, you're not ready for that relationship yet. Nope, you're not ready for those types of resources yet. Nope, you're not ready for that job. Nope, you're not ready quite just yet because when you step into that, the door is gonna be open and you're gonna go, man, why was I working? so hard for something God wanted to give me anyway. Oh, it's because I, I want to get into doors that are shut. And then in verse 10, I want to have the team come up. He says, because you have obeyed my commands to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. He says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. And I love this. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. Um, I'm going to make fun of, of, of a group of people in here just for a little bit, okay? It's, it's just it's kind of, you know, my thing if I'm kind of trying to give a truth. Um, some of you, you're really into personality profiles. <laughs> I'm going to make fun of you just a little bit. It's okay. It's just, it's just I love you, right? Okay? Um, and, and how many of you in here, you're into this stuff? You are into the Enneagram. You're into the monogram. You're into the hologram. Let me see your, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. You're into, you're, you're into personality profiles. In fact, you're the kind of person in a normal everyday conversation, you might go, what number are you? And we're like, bro, normal people don't talk like that. Some of you in here, you're like, oh, that's such an eight thing for you to say. <laughs> Typical eight. <laughs> We have some people in our church, people on our staff that love this stuff and on, the, on their individual teams, they'll do all the personality and, and they're an ENTJ and I'm like, I'm an elemental P and, and, and they're like, like, for example, like how many, any, anybody in here, you're a one, you're a one in here. Okay, cool. Right. Twos, twos, threes, threes, a lot of threes, fours, fives, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, it's, 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 always, it's always fascinating to me because, uh, you know, we do, and again, nothing wrong with it. It's fun. It's, it, it, it's, it's fun. 
In fact, one of the things that was going on in, in, in Philadelphia, um, uh, one of the things that was going on, is, is a team coming up? I think they're coming up. Where's the band? Uh, I'm, I'm ready for it to get real spiritual in here. Where's the keyboard player at? Ready for him. Oh, uh, there's, okay, here's one guy. All right, here we are. Give it up for the worship team. How good is the worship here? Nothing wrong with personality profiles. It's great. In, in fact, the, the people that would work for the state during this time that the Bible was written, um, if, if they were found to be faithful, government employees, uh, what they would get as kind of their like retirement present is that their names would be written on the pillars of these worship, houses of worship to false gods. So that was like an honor bestowed on people that have served the state well. Their names would get written on these pillars in the houses of worship of these false gods. And the name is written on a pillar, that's great. And, and, and maybe, maybe the personality thing helps you know who you are a little better, but, but let, let me just encourage you this. If you're a three but not a pillar, who cares? If you're an eight but not faithful, who cares? If you're a five, but when people really need you and need the Jesus that dwells within you, you are nowhere to be found. You just did a cute exercise in understanding yourself. God's not interested in awesome anecdotal things of your personality profile. He, he's just saying, hey, um, you are Peter. And on this rock, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. The question is, by the way, this is a humbling question to ask. The question is, can God build his church with you as a pillar? Now we know Christ is the chief cornerstone, but people are placed as pillars. Jesus even says, I'm gonna make you a pillar if you don't give up. See, God didn't create you to be a post, a hollowed out thing that looks good from the outside, but has no girth on the inside. God created you to be a pillar, but that only happens when you understand that God's been making you a pillar the whole time. In fact, some of you, you know mine and Christina's story. It took us nine years to have children. And so we're like the oldest parents in like the preschool drop-off. It's awesome. <laughs> and um, it took us nine years, undiagnosed infertility. And how many know sometimes the, the, the worst types of delays are delays you just can't measure. You, you can't put a finger on why that is the case. And after nine years, God blessed us with our amazing twins. Well, a few months back, I grabbed this watch and I, I put it on. I was driving in the car. It's actually a Sunday. And I put it on, th and this, this watch was a gift from Christina on my birthday a handful of years ago. And it's not the most expensive watch. It's also not the cheapest watch. And as I, as I was driving, I looked at it and I noticed there are two cracks in it. <gasps> and I noticed that. But what was interesting is that literally my first thought, in fact, I remembered 
very quickly that about two days prior, uh, Justice, Justice had grabbed it out of my closet and he was playing with it. So undoubtedly, my son Justice put these two cracks in this watch. And as I was driving, I was looking at the cracks on the outside. Still works, still tells me what time it is, but I was noticing the cracks on the outside. And this was genuinely my first thought. Genuinely, my first thought was, I can't believe, I said this with a smile on my face, I can't believe I have kids. Because I knew Justice had broke it, at least the outside of it. And I go, I can't believe I have kids. That's amazing. I have kids. That's crazy. I have kids that can break my stuff. <laughs> Praise God. And, and, and you know what it reminded me? Although it's broken on the outside, it's not really broken because the function of it is to tell me what time it is. And what I think too many of us do too many times is we overemphasize the brokenness on the outside and underestimate what God is building on the inside. And I think some of you, you're looking at yourself on the outside and going, I don't very much feel like a pillar. I don't understand how God's been making me a pillar. And yet here you are at church, faithful to the house of God, here when you don't have to be here and you're showing up and you might feel broken on the outside. You might feel discouraged on the outside, but on the inside, God is crafting something in you. He's building something in you. And so you gotta understand, I gotta understand that God does not judge as man judges. He does not look at the outside. He does not look at the external reality. In fact, in fact, God even told the prophet that when he was gonna go pick the new king, King David, he said, hey, I don't want you to look at the outside. I don't judge as man judges. He says, I, I, I judge based on what's going on on the inside. Come on, Peter, who he calls rock, is a mess. He's a master being with Jesus every day for three years. He's cutting people's ears off at the end of it. In fact, even after Jesus says, hey, you are Peter, which means rock, and I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Like uh, a few days later, he, he's denying that he even knows Jesus because he's intimidated by a middle school girl. He was a mess on the outside. He didn't have it all figured out. Come on, if you're cutting people's ears off at Grace City Church, you can't be on the worship team. <laughs> he was a mess. If you and I were looking at him, we'd go, man, how can God use that? Because Jesus knew what he was building in Peter on the inside. You gotta be able to see what God is building in your life on the inside. You gotta trust what God is doing on the inside. You might not even be able to see it yet, but you gotta stand up and believe, God, I know you are building me on the inside. Can you stand to your feet? And I want to have a, I want to speak a declaration over your life. That you would speak this over your life that even if you don't believe it right now, that you'd be able to go, oh man, I, I, I know what's happening on the inside. People can't see it. In fact, I can't even really see it right now. But it's happening on the inside. I want you to all repeat after me. And when we repeat this, let's not repeat it like we're in a library. <laughs> let's repeat it with some conviction. I want you to say this. I want you to say, I am a pillar. All of us, I am a pillar with doors that have been opened by God that no man can shut. 
This is not predicated on my strength, but it is predicated on his strength. And even hell cannot stop what God has placed over my life. And God, I pray right now over every single one of us, God, that we would begin to see what you have placed in our life. And God, I pray, God, that, that we would not judge too much based on the outside. God, that we wouldn't worry too much about the cracks on the outside. Yes, we gotta grow. Yes, we gotta move forward. But God, you are building something on the inside. And so God, we look to you, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the God who brings down the mountains and lifts up the valleys so we can walk on level ground. And we trust God that you are taking us from being a post to a pillar. We are not decorative. We are not clean just on the outside. We are clean on the inside. We are been set free by the living God. Come on, church, can we lift up our voice and can we declare this? Come on, let's sing this in faith. Hey! I just want to ask two questions. The first question in this room right now is for those that have to walk through the first general door I talked about, which is the door of Jesus himself. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. When you acknowledge that you have sin, God is faithful to cover your sin and grant you eternal life. And we don't just believe like a life in heaven after you die, like a new kind of life with Jesus right now. And if that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm gonna ask when I count to three that you would just lock our elbow and lift up your hand. And this would just be your confession of faith. Saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. So if I were to take you out to lunch right now and just say, hey, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If your answer is no, or if your answer is maybe 20 years ago, I was walking with God, but I've walked away, but today I wanna come home. This moment's for you. If that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to lock our elbow and lift up your hand. Ready, one, two, three. Go and lift up your hand all across this room. Beautiful, yep, see right here, see right here. Yep, see right there, see right there. Way to go. Yep, see right there, see right there. Anybody else, you just kind of wave at me. Yep, see all three of you in the back. Way to go. Yep, see you up here in the corner. Way to go, both of you. Beautiful, most important decision in your life. Who is Jesus? He is Lord. God's meeting you right where you're at, forgiving you of your sins. You can put your hand down. Second question is this. You're in this room right now and you're following Jesus, but if you were honest, you'd say, man, I'm tired of being decorative. <laughs> I'm not interested in decorative Christianity. God, make me a pillar in, in your house. I want you to lift up your hand all across this room and I wanna pray for us. God, I pray right now, conviction, steadfastness, faithfulness, maturity, level-headedness, sober-minded judgment, trust, faith. God, I just pray, God, that you would just move in people's lives. God, that we wouldn't be swayed, God, by what we're seeing on the news. We wouldn't be swayed, God, by the patterns of this world. We wouldn't be swayed by the ways of this world. But God, that we would be steadfast, found in your house, found walking with you, 
So God, we're gonna walk through the general door so we can get the specific doors because there are specific things that you have for us. And God, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen and amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord for his kindness and his faithfulness and his goodness? We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.